Welcome to the Better World Leaders podcast. Here, we invite you to explore conversations with people who are co-creating, regenerating, reimagining, and re-enlivening ways of knowing, doing, and being across our diverse array of areas of great change and profound transformation. One thing unites them all. They are all Better World Leaders. Welcome to the Better World Leaders podcast. And if you happen to be joining for the first time, welcome warmly and welcome indeed. And if you are returning, of course, welcome back. Today's conversation was a really beautiful one for me. It happened here, my home studio with Sam and I, sharing a mic, standing kind of toe-to-toe with each other, uh, following a series of interactions that we had had uh, together, hosting and participating in fellowship in both Art of Hosting and Sam's work, Going Horizontal. This conversation is primarily about going horizontal, which is the process of creating a non-hierarchical organization, one practice at a time. I read from the front cover of her book. Um, Samantha Slade is the co-founder of Percolab, based in Montreal in Canada. And this visit, when I was interacting with her, was the first time she was ever in Australia, along with one of her colleagues. So it was a really wonderful time for me. This conversation was really right at the very end of her trip. She was literally heading uh, back out to Sydney and onto a plane pretty much directly after this conversation. So uh, for me, it really felt like the closing of a circle that that I had been a, a small part of opening um, for Sam and, 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 and uh, inviting her work into Australia, along with the guest who's coming in the next conversation. So hold your suspense for that one, this conversation with Samantha Slade coming at you right now. Samantha Slade, <laughs> welcome to the Better World Leaders podcast. Hello, happy to be here. <laughs> And we actually are here, for those of us that can't see this, we are physically standing together, having been together now on a number of occasions in the last month, which is super cool. Um, So yes, we are very much together and we're going to begin by checking in together. So Samantha, how are you arriving? Mm, Well, um, I'm showing up a little torn today because it's my last day in Australia. I'm flying back to Canada tomorrow morning. I'm also feeling uh, really happy because I'm wearing my whale dress that I <laughs> yes, you are Magpie Goose while I was here. <laughs> so I'm happy to be in this conversation exploration, and I think it's a, a lovely way to spend my last day here in Australia. Oh, I love that you love that you're this is here and that's what you're doing. <laughs> um, I'm arriving, oh, I don't know, like all kinds of joyful today. Uh, it's been such a beautiful time with you like the whole time and it hasn't all been with you the last month but you know I've been really with you and your work along with my fellows in our work for the last kind of like 24 hours as we stand here now so it's been beautiful and I always love welcoming wonderful people to my place so here we are Uh, let's talk about what we're going to do here for the next sort of 40 minutes or so is Mm -hmm. the intention that we're carrying now that we're checked in what shall we talk about well, I know you want to talk about frameworks. Yes, I do. Which is, um, yeah, which is something we are going to talk about. I I tend to not use the word frameworks all sure. the time, even though they are part of my work. I'm talking about how we're changing ourselves, changing systems, bringing relationship and relational ways back into 
the world, how we're showing up with our heart and our authenticity, all of that, and it connects to frameworks. Yeah. Well, let's use your words and, and your language. You know, this is a conversation with and yeah. for you and through you about all those yeah. things that you've just described. So are these patterns, practices, processes? What do you refer to these things we're going to talk about as? Well, um, I think we're going to talk about worldviews. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, system change by practicing for oneself and around oneself. Yeah. And I think we're going to talk about seven domains of practice that are more specific to shared leadership or what I often call as going horizontal, a horizontal way of organizing, functioning, managing, showing up at work. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. So where should we begin? Uh, Worldviews is the good place to begin. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, we were together yesterday and you heard a little bit about how I'm uh, looking at worldviews because I'm really seeing us as in this place and time. Most of us are living in, in between two worldviews. Um, one worldview that's kind of the dominant worldview that we're part of, it's not one that we necessarily name or talk about, but we're all sitting in it. And it's that dominant worldview that's showing up in and really guiding how we're organizing in our organizations and even um, showing up in what we think is professional or what we think is successful. And it's underlying our economic systems, our financial systems, mostly everything that we're doing. And that worldview is really, I mean, I can, you know, there's different words we can give it, but it's a hierarchical worldview. It's a worldview that believes that human beings may be are self-interested, can't be trusted, it's very ego-focused, it's um, extractive ways of looking at the world and work. Um, yeah, it's got a lot of that going on. And on the other side, there's a worldview that's probably, I would say with my background in anthropology, that it's a worldview more aligned with how we are designed as human beings. And it's a worldview where we um, are in care with each other, relationship, reciprocity, in responsibility and we're looking at well-being we're looking at you know we can even talk about the word healing if you want um but in that collective is in that worldview and so that worldview is often where our values are as individuals and human beings and the other worldview that's um the underlying the organizational systems that we're working in uh so we're showing up in between them and it's we're getting we're receiving mixed messages in our work work world because the business processes are coming from that or that worldview of coercive thinking and not trusting while we have values of caring and collaboration and well-being and so all that shows up very confusing um, and complex in the daily life for people in their workplaces and i like to put visuals on that so the dominant worldview shows up as a triangle and the more collective worldview shows up as a circle not to be reductionist or oversimplifying but to give us a visual to see and we're standing between them with one foot in each and each of us is in our own particular context and journey confusion around that yeah yeah absolutely and uh, yeah as we've discussed um you know, this awareness raising of yeah. you know there are these distinct worldviews. They're in some way in companionship in the way the world is organizing at the moment. And that hasn't always been the way. And even though when you certainly I've had conversations with 
different people in different you know sort of parts of the dominant system about the triangle as you've just described it a lot of the time the sort of immediate rebuttals are you know this is the way it's always been or you know like <laughs> this is the way we naturally are supposed to organize and people quite often refer to things like taxonomies as sort of demonstrations for well you know there's the king of the jungle that the lion is and you know it's all fear-based you know every single reference i've ever heard to a taxonomy is about extraction or fear mm-hmm. um and they sort of use their own sort of historiography yeah. whether that, that which is often referenced as a belief system to justify this is the way it is because it's definitely what we're more familiar with yeah Ah, because that's that's the underlying premise of the places we've been educated in and where we've worked and even different ways of organizing a community can sometimes be tainted by that as well so it's definitely what we're familiar with and I don't want to say comfortable in but that familiarity does give us a sort of like oh I'm used to this right and then we think, oh, well, you know, I would love to do things perhaps other ways, but that would be um, not really feasible in the work world where we've got legal constraints and, you know, timelines and we've got to work with all these differences and we've got deadlines. We just kind of, I don't want to say give up, but we just look at that and get overwhelmed by it, right? So, it, and so let's go back. First of all, I just want to weave back to... Uh, yeah, people think that this is the way it's always been. Absolutely not. The cultural anthropologist in me is like, let's remember when we talk about the worldview that we can talk about as a circle. This is basically the way the world has been operating in Indigenous communities across the world for, for thousands of years. People know how to work together well. And I'm not saying that every human being is perfect, right? Or like, you know, it's not an idealistic way. It's saying we know how to work with human beings and all of our complexity in ways where we're collaborating together and caring for everyone. And that caring means caring for each other as human beings, but also caring for the other than human beings as in our planet, Mm. right? So that is something that actually, if we look at it, and I mean, you know this, of course, (laughs) it's like the longer view of things and the wider view of things is that that circle is actually a a larger part of our human history than we maybe, um, than we maybe think about on a daily basis. So, um, and I also believe that that's how we are um, designed as human beings, right? That's the way we're, we're designed to be together. And I know, and I've had experience that we can in our modern world with all the constraints and complexities and differences and all of that stuff, we can in the work world figure a way to organize that's based on those values and principles of caring and collective and relationship and reciprocity. It's possible and we have the data on it, but my work is really about how to have people not only just see that it's possible, but to get there through very simple, accessible practices. Which is a beautiful segue. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold us at this segue just for a moment. <laughs> um, because we have been having this crucible dialogue for a little while about what is ours to do. Right. And just to name who we are, right? Like we're standing here together today as two people showing up very well-intentioned, speaking to things that are uncomfortable or awkward or that we have an awareness that we need to pay a lot of attention to in the sort of great 
construct that is now currently being referred to as decolonizing mm -hmm. systems. Um, so I'm going to hold us at the threshold of let's go explore some of these workplace practices yep. and we're going to come back to this. Yep. But I can't move there without exploring for some time, like yep. this dialogue and sharing here, what we've been exploring and really what we think is ours to do in this work. So yes, what would you like to speak to in terms of these two paradigms, these worldviews, mm -hmm. what you are called to and what you believe your sort of response to that call can be in terms of speaking to all of the embedded sort of colonizing systems that are showing up from this dominant worldview and how we can try and yeah. unravel those. Yeah. So, um, they're a beautiful organization. I really believe in business as a lever for change, right? And I see around me so many beautiful organizations. It doesn't matter what their legal structure is. If you're a co-op or corporate, it doesn't make a difference. But doing beautiful work in the world that's really part of imagining and co-creating different futures for ourselves, creating new energy systems, creating new food systems, creating new transportation systems. There's a lot of beautiful work going on. One of the blind spots that I see in a lot of that work is the, the in, if you look into the internal, how the organization is working amongst itself, it's still showing up in the way it's organizing and doing the work together from the triangle worldview. And so there's a misalignment between the good work that organizations are doing in the world and how they are set up and organizing internally. And my work is to bring that into alignment. Beautiful. Simply. And we can call that decolonizing organizations, um, but we can call it all different things. And I think that all of those organizations that are purpose-driven and doing good work in the world um, want to be aligned and strive to be aligned. And it's not easy because there aren't necessarily a lot of people who have lived experience of that alignment. And so um, we can get caught up in uh, it's not possible um, or if there's too much time and I've got to do the good work that's to be doing so I can't get lost from doing the work from doing this. But at the end of the day, when you look and you go, you know, how is it really possible to be the full potential of all an, a purpose driven organization is trying to do in the world if you're still organizing on those extractive non-caring, non-relational ways of being that that are of a legacy from an old world that's dying. Like we need to be co-creating as well new ways of being in our organizations and doing. Yeah, absolutely. So should we talk about some of those? Yes. Some of those ways of organizing, yes. doing and being? Yeah. So I think the like the second piece of my work is all about coming at it from practices. And I, like, I can speak to a lot of people who go, yeah, I see what you're talking about. We need to get aligned and they can come at it from we need to restructure. And that's not where I come at it from. Yes, we need new structures. Absolutely. But if you just restructure an organization as Monday morning, people are going to show up with the same habits and reflexes, right? You haven't really done the deep change. And so from my work, what I've, um, what I've really been able to, to notice is that if you can have practices and business practices and processes that are born from this other par paradigm and worldview, and so details matter, right? If they're born from that, that when we practice into that space, we are actually being able to leave the, 
that triangle dominating coercive way of, of doing things and step into a different way. And it helps us actually have this kind of almost like I say, it's like a flip inside yourself that happens. You go, oh, I can show up in decision making and not a way where I have to like maneuver and influence others. We can actually be with a shared purpose in the center and we can be explicit about my personal preferences and you can be explicit about your personal preferences and we can even be compassionate and witnessing each other about that. And both of us stay focused on the actual collective shared purpose on it. So those things we hear about but people are like mm, that does sound like hard work everybody doing that and my work has been how to have very simple um i would call them lightly structured or elegantly structured protocols because there are protocols in these practices that help us step away from the usual habits and ways of doing things and this is i'm using decision making just as an example and doing things from this other paradigm. And when we live those practices, we see that one, they like we can feel how they're working us in, in shifting, but two, we're seeing how they're actually quite productive and efficient. And so we're like, oh, maybe it is possible to function in an organization from a different space. And once you've done practices enough on, you know, in those places where we're kind to each other. So with a few colleagues who, you know, are going to let you mess up a couple of times and have that kind of fumbling learning as you figure out these practices and, and, and you start to unfold into them, well, then you can take them out into more structured ways. And then from the practices, you can build new business processes and then new business structures. And so it's a different pathway of change. Instead of we're going to redraw the whole structure, we're going to help the practices help us with our internal shift because this internal shift in consciousness is part of what we need to do. And then from that, the actual way of restructuring the organization will reveal itself. So you don't need to kind of work it and be in a room and imagine it and draw it out and agree it and then put a target on the wall and drive towards it. Just practice and it will reveal itself yeah 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 um just a quick uh something that's been uh, uh, been recalling so when you talked about you know a way that decision making is typically done and you talked about influencing others like i just went to <laughs> various different versions of where it kind of feels like a decision making in a lot of organizational contexts that i've experienced feels like a competition yep. for the person to kind of prove that they're the more right. Yes. Right. So like, well, I have a view and I'm going to defend and justify that view. Yeah. And my role here is to convince others yeah. of my correctness. Yeah. And then we'll make what we call a decision, yeah. but is essentially a victory for me and my position. Yes. Right. And uh, since we've been touching on uh, indigenous worldviews as a kind of a manifestation of this alternative way of being, I'm coming back to the conversation with four arrows and he talked about competition. Yeah as a good thing, yes. but something that is basically done as a way of nurturing the whole, yep. right? Of kind of stimulating will and practicing yep. or whatever it is, yep. but not in an egocentric, totally. like first over the line. And he used it, you know, a, a, an example of the um, running races in the Copper Canyon yep. where there's no celebration of victory. Yep. If the celebration is that a race has been run right. and that people ran a race, right? And it's all about we're nurturing the runners and what they're learning as they're out there for right. hundreds of miles. Right. And this is such a big shift for people. You know, what do you mean? Like, you know, I don't, I don't have to have a position that is right and fully formed when I walk in the room. Like yeah. we're actually going to kind of debate this and construct it together. 
What is that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah. And I think like in the triangle, that's the thing we talk when I say you know, coercion is core in that triangle, right? And it shows up coercion and even little micro control that all of us are doing, myself included, and that we're unlearning that and going, oh, when I was, you know, you know, defending that point, I was actually trying to get other people to think like me. Yep. And then I could even use, you know, the collective purpose as a way of maneuvering that, you know, we can be very skillful with each other. So the journey is to probably when you start doing this, you kind of play with things and slowly you become self-aware of how I am trying to have my personal preference um, be the option over others. And if we go back to the issue of like power in organizations, those people who are in power are organizing the organization based on their personal preference. We don't usually say that a lot, but that is pretty much it. So somebody who, and then even when we say, oh, we're going to have a new leader, what's going to happen? Because we know the new leader is going to organize based on their personal preference. And because they're the ones that call the shots, everybody needs to adjust to that personal preference. And so if we actually look, and if I go back to purpose-driven organizations, right? I don't think they should be organized based on personal preference. It's like, what is an organizational um, paradigm that makes sense for an organization that's purpose-driven? It's one that's coming from the worldview of collective purpose in the center. We're letting go of our reflexes of coercion in, in trying to influence each other all the time, right? And so we can be trustfully, right? <laughs> around a circle together, and I use circle like it doesn't matter really how you're sitting, but it feels like that, where I'm witnessing your perspective, your experience, your feelings, your expertise, your ideas, and you're witnessing mine, and we're witnessing another person's and another person's, and we're sitting together around that, that shared inquiry or shared purpose, and we'll be like, oh, it's not quite easy to see what would be the thing to do at this point that makes the most sense. And all of that, all of us feel it together. That's a whole other place. Because then when we're feeling it together, we know that as an organization, you got to make decisions and you got to keep in movement. You got to keep in flow. You can't just go, oh, we're going to try and get the perfect decision or we're going to try and uh, come to an agreement that's like, a watered down version of all of our preferences, or we're going to just give in to somebody because they've got some informal power. We're actually going to sit with the complexity of, huh, it's not really possible to do the perfect thing that would make everybody happy in their preference. And we just learn to start letting go of it. So that you have this kind of, you start putting a little bit of separation of space between the organization or the purpose that's going on and myself. And I start separating out. And what that's doing, if I go back to the worldviews, is you're getting a bit away from the ego-focused worldview, that self-interest, and you're stepping more fully into that one where we're seeing ourselves in relationship and interconnectedness with others. Hmm. And that's a journey, right? And you can journey for that. And if I come back to this, this way to do system change through practice, through doing good work, like making decisions with a, pr a protocol from this other paradigm. And it helps us slowly shift. And I mean, I'm going to say heal ourselves because I think we do need healing from all of that coercive non-trust that we've been, we've gotten used to, we've normalized, and we even think is like the right way to be. And we can even go and pay and learn to do it better, right? <laughs> That's the way the world works currently. <laughs> 
But what if we let go of all of that completely and we're like, ah, how do I? Like, does somebody who's in an organization that's purpose-driven, are you aware of that, um, that the fact that the triangle is, is the underpinnings of your operational system, like it or not, is showing up in some way? I'm in an organization, it's 15 years now, and we've been functioning as a lab to try and function more intentionally as the circle paradigm. And it's still 15 years and we're still learning and folding in ourselves as a team of how you do that. And I mean, we're highly productive and highly nourishing and caring for each other. There's lots of well-being, and we're doing good work and, you know, I want to say that sometimes people from the, from the triangle, they'll say to me, oh, have you arrived as if there's like, an, like we're back in that target? <laughs> Did you reach your target? And I'm like, oh, this, is, this is an unfolding, right? It's just you, you, you live like this. You embrace life as learning, right? And in this, the two worldviews that sit there, I want to be learning towards that worldview that's looking at care and well-being for all and i talk about the big all not just me and my team and my, my company but all human beings and other than human beings you know we really need to move to that way of thinking and i can't even imagine how a purpose-driven organization is not seeing the value of getting that alignment in there and yeah because we're so caught in this russian time to save the world and do the work fast that we want to skip over this piece thinking it's uh it's time not well spent yeah right and i think that that's a that's a bit of a trap we might fall into yeah one thing that's coming up for me that might i think might be useful to speak to you know, we don't have to go to specific anecdotes and examples but just like i'm just reflecting on the three kind of positions that you shared yesterday kind of like this um, yeah. is how organizations kind of 10 in your experience in that yeah. 15 year period yeah. of time this is how organizations tend to respond yeah. to the invitation to step into this new way of being can you just speak yeah. to those a little bit yeah so after 15 years in this work and really looking at these these you know the fact that we're all standing between these two worldviews when we look at organizations we have those organizations that those th these two worldviews are off the radar they're just like the world works the way it is and that's the way it's supposed to work end up right that's a, a difficult space for somebody to be in, especially if they're aware of the difference and really their heart and soul is being pulled into um, reconnecting with old worldviews or, you know, in the modern world. And um, how do you be in that space together with in an organization that's completely, you know, it's in their blind spot. So that has to do with how do you be in acceptance of the reality? How do you be in caring of the reality? And how can you support people to either begin seeing the worldviews or just practice with them and they'll just find their way themselves. So that's one place where the, like I would call that worldview blindness. Yeah. The other is when you really see and aspire to functioning in, in this more circular way of functioning and being, and we're like, that's the way the world should be. We want to be relational. We're collaborative. We're collective. We're caring. We got well-being at the center, healing at the center. But you're showing up maybe unconsciously and unaware that you're actually operating from a system that's still from the triangle paradigm that's hierarchical. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit of a tricky one. And you, you think that you still think that working from a, a, you know, 
relationships at the center is kind of like a nice to have when we have extra time versus foundational and core. Yeah. Right. And so that's the second pattern I see is really valuing that circular way of functioning together as human beings, but still showing up with this, we got to do this and with like really showing up from like this driving, pushing, not trusting and having fear. Those are the things that are still in there. So that's, another type of space that a lot of us can find ourselves in. And again, how do we work in there? And for me, the practice as a pathway is really um, an interesting, um, an interesting way to find your, your, your peace inside yourself with that, because you can show up and do practices yourself and not even talk about them, just start proposing them and doing them. You don't have to be in the judgment of the other. You can, we need to do this in a way that's really kind and caring. The third uh, pattern that I see is organizations that see both worldviews and fumbling their way forward, <laughs> trying to figure it out. Because it's not because we see the two worldviews and we're trying to align more in that circular way that you have all the answers. Um, I think of friends of mine, April and Erica in Montana, USA, which it's uh, on um, a Salish uh, indigenous reservation. And I'm working with them to help them reconnect with their traditional ways in a modern organization. So they totally see the worldviews. This is, you know, they're living with how do, how do we decolonize ourselves and our organizations as indigenous people with our traditional ways and, and, and working together to look at what are your traditional ways and how do we bring them just in, in the modern organization. So tightening up a little bit of protocols with it. It's been really fascinating working with them and they, when they start, we start running the generative decision making process that we do a lot and uh you can you can read about it in the book or online whichever but they're like oh my god Samantha we save an hour and a half to two hours in our board meetings now that we've gone back to this way of functioning and and it's so it's traditional worldviews that have a little bit of uh we call them tweaking for the modern work world <laughs> let's call it that so this is everybody's work. All of us are trying to find, I say, trying to find our way home and finding ways that feel good for ourselves and feel good for the work and feel good for each other and um, are really bringing us back to um, ways of thinking of, that are interconnected and interdependent. Yeah. Yeah. And with the limited time that we now have remaining, yes. let's talk about the seven domains. Yes. As ways of really bringing yeah. this to life. Yeah. So I, you know, I know lots of people who, who love the idea of shifting their organizations to um, a, a way that feels more aligned. And people are like, but what do I really do? Where do I start? How do I show up? Like, how do you begin? So um, my book, Going Horizontal, is really brought about from all this applied research. Uh, seven domains of practice that are easy, accessible doorways into this way of working. And they're very simple autonomy, purpose, decision-making, transparency, relationships and conflict. These are things that it doesn't matter what your organization is, doesn't matter what size it is, doesn't matter what sector it is. They're, all of these domains of practice are showing up. So these are different practices you can pick up that are coming expressly from this other worldview that are actually quite productive in the work world and that by doing them, you're kind of weaving your pathway through to decolonizing your organization or realigning it however you want to talk about it. I do want to say that all the practices that are in the book are commons, right? So they don't, they're not from me. I don't own them. They are just articulated through me. 
and that even all of these practices are not mine or yours. They come from a lineage of traditions and cultures around the world who've been practicing these ways for millennia and know how, like, you know, um, this idea that the ancestors have been doing this for, have been operating in these caring ways for a long time and had it figured out, that's all we're reconnecting with, really. Yeah. So with just a few minutes remaining, the final invitation is appreciating that we have no idea where on this journey anyone who might be listening to yep. or watching any of the resources mm -hmm. that you know are the kind of the ecosystem around this conversation but is there any one place that as a sort of a welcome mat you have found is a sort of a sensible suggestion for people to begin right if yep. someone's listening to this they're at any point on this journey yep. and they're like oh, I want to where might they kind of make that first connecting with you and your work so um, I would say, look at your listening culture, right? A lot of organizations are like, we don't have time to do this. And when you actually look at how people just spin themselves out with a conversation that builds into another conversation, another conversation, and we get lost rea in the reactive space and defending space and explaining space and justifying space and apologizing space one with the other. So bringing in the practice of witnessing, which is just, I speak and you silently witness me. And then you speak and I silently witness you. And that brings in a whole quality of being together. And it's super productive because we're not expending energy in all of those other elements. So that the practice of, of, of quality listening with this um, idea of witnessing is for me one of the key kind of foundational elements that's underpinning it. And then I would say, well, try things out in your meetings because your meeting places are, are you know, low risk places, you're internal. Um, the way the power is showing up in your organization is probably expressed very clearly in your meetings. So if you want to be shifting the way the, the cultural basis of your organization shift the way your meetings are organized, your meetings should actually be, um, uh, be a microcosm of the world you dream of. Okay. What a, <laughs> what a beautiful, I, I feel that's a beautiful place to rest. Did you get that listener? Rewind, playback. Um, yeah. So there we are. Okay, as a way of bringing some sense of completeness to what I think will always feel like a too short a conversation with you, would you like to offer a checkout that we can share together? Yeah, maybe um, what's a little uh, something we'd like to share gratitude for right now? Hmm. Uh, I would share gratitude for all of the many beings that collaborated over deep time to bring us to be here right mm -hmm. now and all the beings that are just you know through that little digital portal that we call the internet that are connecting into this and I think gratitude almost in advance for all of the work that has been done and is being done and will be done um I like you sense a real turning or a rising or awakening right now. I kind of feel like I'm in the middle of a great beginning or re-beginning and I'm grateful to be alive at this point in time with all the complexity and all of the challenge and all of the beauty that lies ahead amongst all the turmoil. <laughs> um, I would like to express 
um, well, gratitude for your invitation, of course, gratitude, the invitation from Campfire Co-op to be here in Australia and gratitude for um, a special person I've met while I've been here in Australia, Nicole Smead, who is a war, war woman, where am I woman um, with European heritage. And she has been really, I think, instrumental in helping me connect with country here in Australia. So a lot of gratitude for her too. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tim. So there you go. One practice at a time. Some examples, some practices, some processes, some patterns for creating non-hierarchical organizations. And I highly recommend Going Horizontal, Sam's book. Um, I also recommend one of the practices, a game, Listen For, which you know has emerged out of Sam's work. And what I'm going to briefly do now and then in more detail in uh, the reflection video is really just kind of point to the gain that I have seen in myself and others through practicing these practices, through being in these processes and exploring these patterns over the six months, I think it is now, since the conversation with Sam that you've just listened to was co-created. And the three that I have used the most would be AAA feedback, uh, co-creating meeting agendas, and playing listen for. So AAA feedback is a is a really beautiful process with a specific practice within it to speak to what you appreciate, what you would invite someone to amplify, and what you would invite them to adjust. Uh, and there are some specific sort of bookend um, extensions to be in the full process as well. Um, but I found myself using that as a feedback practice when invited, um, kind of almost always now. Like that's that's what I do. I do AAA. Um, and listen for, I have now played all over the place. Um, and you have played with client organizations, opened basically sort of conference uh, as a keynote, but rather than me standing on a stage with a microphone talking at people, I said, hey, <laughs> play a game and this is the game and it's a listening game where you are going to talk to each other. Um, and that's been re really well received. I've played Listen For Now in China and New Zealand as well as Australia with the corporate uh, teams that I'm a part of and it's been very well received. Uh, I workshopped with it. I've opened coaching dialogues with it. It's a fantastic game to shift bias through practicing, sharing specifically prompted stories and listening for specific things. Highly recommend. And co-creating meeting agendas, right, there's a whole set of conditions that need to be present for that to flow. Um, it doesn't take that long to create those conditions in my personal experience. And if done, creates very different meetings, which generate very different outcomes. So those three, all very kind of self-contained, very neat, um, well worth exploring. I'll talk a little bit more, some specific analogies of these in the reflection video, which accompanies this and is in the show notes. So you can click down. Uh, and of course, you're invited to follow on YouTube 
and join the LinkedIn group where these videos get shared more directly. Uh, but if you're coming to this episode anytime, you know, after it's broadcasted, then yeah, you would get those videos faster where you to be involved in those channels and communities. Uh, enough for me for now. A wonderful conversation coming next with the host of the Art of Hosting community, which I am now a member of, uh, through whom I was introduced to Samantha Slade. So that conversation coming up in a fortnight. Until then, be well, lead well. You haven't heard me say that for a while. And see how you go. Creating non-hierarchical organizations in your place. See you soon. To close this conversation, an expression of gratitude. Firstly, a grateful acknowledgement to the first peoples of all lands, waters and skies upon which this conversation has been created. The conversation was hosted on Darawal country, audio edited on Gadigal country and produced on Boonwarrung country, all in Australia. And we gratefully acknowledge the contributions that continue from elders past, present and emerging to generating the fields of wisdom and potential that can sustain our better futures. I gratefully acknowledge the contributions from Brendan Ward as executive producer, original composer and track arranger, to Cooper and Pat from Radio Hub for audio editing and in-studio tech support, to Bonnie from Collator for original artwork, and to Sybil at Atomic Tangerine for marketing guidance, and to Norpeter and Nicole at Knock Knock for digital hosting. And above all else, to you for your time, attention, and advocacy. Thank you all. Better leaders, better world.